will Authentic back up his Kentucky Derby win by taking the Breeders' Cup Classic? Who will emerge from the Juvenile as the favorite for next year's Derby? We'll find out as the Breeders' Cup World Championships commence this weekend, and we'll analyze the biggest of the weekend's races on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're about to move in. They roll side. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch. It's a hip-hopping finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us. And we would just love it if you would contact the astrophysicists at America's Best Racing to let them know that ITG belongs in their nominees for Best Podcast in this year's Fan Choice Awards. Try the Twitter handle at ABR Live or the America's Best Racing Facebook page. Let them know that In The Gate belongs. Swiss Skydiver and Robbie Alvarado, they've done it from Authentic. Maximum Security, who takes them all the way. Matamoy girl wins the ruffian. Kamiko the far side of him. Kamiko's won. All those different superstars and all of those different divisions can mean only one thing. The Breeders' Cup World Championships is upon us. 14 races worth a total of $31 million. And in this year, like no other... This is really the only racing fixture on the American calendar that's happening when it was originally supposed to happen, albeit without spectators in the building at Keeneland Racecourse. Remember, the Kentucky Derby was run in early September and the Preakness in early October. Several year-end championships will be decided at the Breeders' Cup, as they should be, and possibly Horse of the Year. On this show, it would be too laborious to go through all 14 races, so we're going to take half of them and analyze them so you'll be informed when you watch and wager. To help us do that, we welcome in one of our frequent handicapping guests, Bobby Halt, who operates the New York Hot List Handicapping Service, and we also welcome for the first time Rachel McLaughlin, who is one of the simulcast analysts at Indiana Grand. As a matter of fact, Indiana Grand is racing as we record this, and Rachel is kind enough to rearrange her schedule to have time to break down the Breeders' Cup races with us, and we are glad to have her. So let's get going. We're going to start with the juvenile fillies, and you get upsets in this race. Big ones, Rhea Antonia, 32-1, to 1. Take Charge Brandy, 62-1, to 1. and I could go on, there are more. Do you see an upset in this race, Rachel? Actually, when it was simply ravishing in here, I had a couple of bigger price plays later. I know a lot of people are against the favorite Princess Noir. Um, I've, I've read a lot of handicappers that are, you know, fading her in this race. They're against her. And I did. I went against her with simply ravishing. I've been watching the morning works every morning for the past three or four days, ever since Halloween. And she just looks really good. Kenny McPeak trains her and coming out of that grade one at a mile and a 16th, which is today's distance and one by over six lengths. I just think that she is going to pull up the upset today or in this race and um, coming off a bullet work to boot. I really, really like her. She's got uh, the highest speed figure in that last race as well. I look at the Brisnet pages and that was a 97 and it was just so 
impressive to me and and undefeated in all of her three career starts. I think Simply Ravishing is going to be the one because Princess Noir is trying to make it four in a row. In my handicapping, it's impressive when they can go with those consecutive wins, but it does take it out of them sometimes. And these are only two-year-old fillies. So I'm going to go against Princess Noir in here and I'm going to go with Simply Ravishing. I'm going with Princess Noir. I was talking to Bob Baffert last weekend and his quote to me, I think, was pretty revealing. He said, her speed figures are slow, which they are, in comparison to some of the others. He said, but I know what a superstar looks like, and she's a superstar. So I, I got to go with that. But Baffert knows a heck of a good horse. He's talking much higher about her, say, I think, than even, say, Gamine. So uh, I'm going to, as I say, I'm going to stick with her. I do think Simply Ravishing is a heck of a good horse. I, I got her for second. And it, it is a good quality field because you got horses, I think, you know, this stay out of the office is certainly a really good horse. I mean, all, all she does is keep winning, even, uh, you know, girls daddy two for two. It's, it's a quality field, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to Baffert. I think he's right. He knows what a superstar looks like. And if he thinks that's what she is, I'll, I'll go with it. I like Richie thinking Rachel Ken McPeak, who's won five Alcibiades, still looking for his first Breeders' Cup. But I'm going with his other horse at a price, Crazy Beautiful, at 20 to 1. I mean, she was no match for Simply Ravishing or Girl Daddy in Kentucky. But if you watched the uh, the last race, she tried to pick her way through the back. She got bounced around. There was a wall of horses at the top of the stretch, and she finished well. Maybe she doesn't win this, but I think she is completely underlaid at 20 to 1 here. I think she has a big chance against these horses. And I'm with you. I don't think Princess Noor is... I mean, who did she beat out there in the West? Who has she beaten? Yeah, that's that's exact, That's a great point. I have the exact same super as Bob. I went 1735, but I did look at Crazy Beautiful because this is another one. I think the Future Star Friday card is amazing, and Crazy Beautiful looks really good in the morning, and she's a very, very uh, classy. She looks old beyond her years. She goes out there, you know, like a pro. So she, I think, is an excellent long shot to put into uh, supers. And you almost think maybe that second last time out in that race, you know, Kenny, he was testing her. And uh, she did well and could improve off that effort. And as we know, an improving horse is a very dangerous horse. So that's definitely one to look out with out for. And Brian Hernandez, I mean, he's such an amazing jockey. So I agree with you there. That's a really nice long shot. She has Princess Noir. Me and you are on the same page there. I definitely think she's good. Don't get me wrong. She's good. She could come out there and make us look like idiots. And Bob could say, ha ha, guys, ha ha. But I'm not going to be able to swallow the chalk that she's going to be. She's going to be really, really uh, low odds, I think. Storm the court pulls it off in the TBG Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Bob, I believe you were there last year at the Breeders' Cup when Peter Erton's trained Storm the Court won the Juvenile at 45-1, to 1, biggest upset in Juvenile history. And I think you've also been there most of the year to see Jackie's Warrior, the favorite in this year's Juvenile, at a much less price, 7-5. to 5. How good is Jackie's Warrior? Can he answer the two-turn question? He's really good. I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, I did see him at the Saratoga Special. Look really good. You wondered, though. You know, you know me, I like the Chad Brown horses. I thought maybe reinvestment risk was going to catch him, but he wasn't. And she, he is really a heck of a good horse. I think he'll handle two turns. The problem I see is that this race is going to have a lot of speed horses going at him. That really wasn't happening so much 
in the Saratoga races. I, I think he's going to get a, a tough challenge. He's good enough to win, but uh, certainly I, I'm looking uh, I'm looking at a closer in the race to benefit from that. To me, it's a horse sitting on go, I, I think, is a real nice uh, possibility in this race. I really thought he put in a real good workout. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, put in a real good race at uh, Churchill Downs on Derby Day to win that uh, Iroquois been training great from according to his connections uh he's he's the play i'm gonna go with because of the price but certainly i I do think uh jackie's warrior is a legit horse what do you see here rachel i also think jackie's warrior is a legit horse as well but at seven to five i'm gonna try to beat jackie's warrior with essential quality i have sitting on go to round out my try i completely agree with what bob said and just to add to that if you watch sitting on go in the mornings, he is aptly named. He is definitely sitting on go. And he is one of the standouts in this race. I think as far as what he looks like in the morning, for sure. So I'm going five, seven, nine, three in this race, but I do like essential quality on top here. That win at Keeneland is the difference for me because, you know, Jackie's warriors coming from New York. So shipping in and is trying, you know, Keeneland for the first time, whereas essential quality is already proven you know, at today's distance at the track on the surface and won convincingly by over three links, um, you know, in a grade one as well. And Brad Cox this year, just on fire. I mean, you can't say enough about his horses, even his string here in Indiana. I mean, it's a, like a running joke whenever I handicap, Oh, it's a maiden special weight. Let's not go against (laughs) Brad Cox here, but um, he's definitely, his percentage is just going up in graded stakes as well. And it's a 22% win clip right now. And coming off this bullet work, I just think the five essential qualities poised to pull off the upset here um, in this race. So neither of you think that all that pace, Jackie's Warrior, Essential Quality, Next, Dreamer's Disease is going to wear out those front runners. You think Jackie's Warrior, Bob, Essential Quality, Rachel are still going to be there at the end? Well, uh, no, as I say, I, I do like sitting on go is my pick. I, I think he's going to benefit from all that speed because I, I do agree with you. There's going to be a heck of a lot of speed. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, sitting on go on top. I think I might put Jackie's Warriors second in the exact that I think he's that good. But yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be a very hot pace now that's going to make it difficult for Jackie's Warrior, which he really hasn't had a face at Saratoga. I also, I mean, reinvestment risk. I don't know what to think of. He had a chase. He might get work out a better trip here, but I'm just not sure. He didn't seem in the, in the hopeful as the races got longer, he didn't seem to relish the extra distance. So uh, as I say, I really liked what I saw on sitting on go. If the pace scenario sets up, like you just said, Barry, an interesting one at a 30 to one is Camp Hope, which is I was just looking who could come off the pace and maybe reinvestment risk a little bit. But if you were going to go it at that angle, I think maybe the one Camp Hope, one of a couple from Kenny McPeak in this race, won by four last time out breaking the maiden. I know it's a big ass to come into a Breeders' Cup juvenile race right off a maiden breaking win, but 12 days ago. Yeah, 12 days ago, but the running style suits. What about keep me in mind? You're overlooking Jose Ortiz closing on a 20 to one shot. And he got a pretty decent trip when he was second in the Breeders' Futurity. And Robertino Diodoro is third nationally in training. He's never won a grade one race, though, so it's easy to overlook. But if the pace falls apart, 
I wouldn't throw out Keep Me In Mind, number six, either. So those are our Friday races that we're going to look at. And oh, by the way, you're also all overlooking Rombauer at 15 to 1. He has a really bad post, but he has Javier Castellano. And if anybody can improve a horse, I think Javier Castellano might, but he has a a, a tough post. That's, I think, going to take care of it for us on the Friday card We don't have time to do all 14 races, so we're going to move to Saturday now, and this race that I want to get to next is just fascinating, which is the Philly and Mare Turf. With all of these Europeans and all of these Americans, or North Americans, shall we say, this is a tremendous race. I know where Bob's probably going. He's got to be going rushing fall here. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a unabashed uh, rushing fall fan. I've been on her actually before day one. Uh, what I'll always remember is before, which it was two. Uh, she was supposed to run on Labor Day weekend at Saratoga. It was either going to be the Sunday or the Monday, and it poured. I mean, it was it just poured buckets. I talked to the owner Bob Edwards. This was talking general about stuff, and we started talking about this filly he had rushing fall. He said he was disappointed that she didn't get in that she didn't get her maiden race. And what they were thinking of doing was going right to the uh, Natama, the Woodbine race as a maiden so that they could get the automatic bid. And I said, she's that good? And he said, yeah. And I followed her and that's all she's been. She's really been a quality filly. She had some trouble last year. They worked her on the dirt like before that Alabama and she was never the same. Since then she's bounced back. I think she's going to get a nice setup behind Mean Mary and uh, to me, she's the horse to beat. Mean Mary seems like an overlay here, doesn't she, Rachel? Yeah, you know, I have her in my selections, but definitely from Graham Motion, and especially with the early speed. The way that I saw this one, I think that with the early speed, maybe, you know, Bob's pick and then the four, Mean Mary, that you just mentioned. So thanks for setting me up for that perfectly. If they hook up on the front end, I was thinking maybe the two, Sister Charlie. So I went two, six, four, uh, one in here. And this one, you know, she can come from off the pace. If you look back on last year in August in the Beverly, and ended up winning by three links coming from way off the pace. And most of her races, she's pretty far off the pace, especially in her wins. So I was uh, kind of considering if they, they do hook up those two, then two, the two sister Charlie could pick up the pieces. And she's only been off the board in one of her lifetime starts, all 17 of her lifetime starts, 16 of which have been in the money. So she just impresses me. I know she's, you know, she's a six-year-old mare, but uh, and, and, you know, Chad Brown, his, per, his percentages and graded stakes, 23%, you know, he does really well off the layoff as well, which she hasn't raced since August. So maybe he was giving her the time, you know, sometimes with older, uh, horses, you, if you're anticipating putting into a big race, I mean, we've seen that with Tom's to Todd later, they, they give them a nice break and he's 27% with the 46 to 90 days away. So I like sister Charlie in this race, uh, for me in the, in the I also would take a look at Audaria coming from Europe, who stalked on a slow pace in the Pre de l'Opera, not as good as Tarnawa, who we'll talk about later in the turf, but she's not facing Tarnawa. She's facing not the greatest European contingent and an average, I think, American contingent. I mean, Sister Charlie, to me, I all of what you're saying, notwithstanding, Rachel, I think she's lost a step. 
And that may be enough for a, ho- a horse like uh, Ordaria to get a piece of her here. Or Civil Union. I was just looking at Civil Union as well. Suge McGahee's entry in this race. That's another one, the same as what you just said. You know, she's in form and she comes from off the pace. So either one of those, the 10 or the 11, could also pull off the upset, I think. What do you think her ceiling is? I don't, do we even know what her ceiling is, Bob? She's won four straight. She's won four straight. I, I liked, I, I'm not sure if this was a vintage uh, edition of the Flower Bowl. I mean, you know, you would have figured a rushing fall or a Sister Charlie would have been in that race. I think Sister Nat is really Chad's third string filly. They were kind of close at the wire. I think maybe next year when the when the crop thins out and you lose some of the good horses, I think then will be her moment. I think she's a year away. I do agree with you with uh, Odara. I thought she was really going to be the best of the Europeans. And the horse that's interesting here, especially if the price is right, Starship Jubilee, I'm not sure on the distance. I don't think the distance really works in her favor, but she's such a game competitive filly. If she is 10 to 1, that's a pretty inviting price, and she certainly, I think, would look good in your trifectas or superfectas. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering whether she would have done better in the mile. I mean, she beat males in the Woodbine mile, and she was like fourth down the back, found a seam at the 516th pole. She's seven years old and was a claimer. Claimed for 16000 three years ago. She's won $2 million. Tremendous. But I just think this might be a little far for her, a mile and three-sixteenths in the Philly and Mare turf. Yeah, I, agree. I, I agree, but you know, but again, I'm certainly looking at it from a gambling standpoint. Uh, yeah, the ten to one on her is very inviting. She's not a filly who should be ten to one. Matamoy Girl now takes the lead with a quarter of a mile to the finish. It's Matamoy Girl in front. Vexatious up on the outside, moves to second. Mother Mother is now back running in third. Matamoy Girl asks for just a bit more by jockey Florent Giroux. Matamoy Girl wins the ruffian by a little more than two. We get to the distaff where it's really more about almost who's not here than who is here. No Midnight Bisu, she's retired, fighting mad. Bob Baffert, her trainer, is aiming for a race in late January and is passing on the Breeders' Cup distaff. And so of the ones who are here, there's definitely some money to be made. I mean, Swiss Skydiver is obviously the horse everybody's going to be looking at. But, you know, this race in the past has been won by long shots who have wired the field. There are a couple of Maturation, One Dreamer, Lady Kate, anybody at 30 to 1, Rachel? Willing to take a chance? No. Hey, hey, I hate your girl. <laughs> I hate your huckleberry on that one, bro. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go in this race with Monomoy girl. I couldn't um, go against her here. I, I think that Sis Skydiver is amazing. I am so impressed by her for sure. Um, you know, a $35,000 purchase, $1.8 million. Why can't we get some of those horses? But uh, I like Monomoy Girl here. Brad Cox, I think just he knows what to do with her. She runs so well for him. She's coming off the Latran, you know, a win there. You know, the distance as well as her distance. She's three for three, whereas Swiss Skydiver has never won 
you know, at the distance of a mile and an eighth here. So I went with her on top. I'm obviously a Brad Cox fan, big fan of his. He's an excellent guy and he's, he's got just top notch horses. One that I'm looking at to put in for my super is horologist, who is another one that, as I said, I've been watching all the morning works and just looks so classy, so fit, so nice in the mornings. And, um, she, I think off of that sharp work, excuse me, on November 1st, is one um, and coming off that nice win at Belmont. I think that she's one that's going to uh, only eight to one. It's not like I'm picking a 31 here to sweeten it up, but I think her, um, her odds might not be as, as high. I think all the money is going to be on Swiss skydiver and Monomoy girl in this race. So honestly, you could put any of them on underneath and probably cash a pretty good ticket. I think lady Kate is also a good, a good choice, but um, I like the four horologists and I think Valiance also fits in really well here also coming off um, a win at the distance and, and at Keeneland in the spinster. So, um, you know, I beat, beat, um, who was that? The Ollie's, Ollie's candy. candy. Field. Yeah. So, uh, those are my picks here in, in the, dis, in the distaff, I think a really, really tough race. Monomoy girl will be sold on Sunday after the race. Well, don't take that as uh, gospel truth that she's going to be sold. I'll, I'll throw that out. Uh, she is in the sale. Her connections are really high on her. They've been pointing to this race all year. As Rachel's saying, Brad Cox is a heck of a good horseman. Uh, I, I do. I agree that she's going to win. I, I, I like her. I think Swiss Skydiver benefited from, shall we say, the trip of a lifetime where, for some reason, Authentic didn't go in front and really just kind of ran a curious race in the Preakness. But uh, I think Monomoy Girl is definitely got the speed to win this race in the class. And then it's going to be interesting. I mean, depending on what happens at the Classic, you could have a very open picture for Horse of the Year, where she would be in the picture. And don't be surprised if somehow she runs one more time, uh, or maybe twice, and then they maybe sell her at a different time. So uh, a lot of the times they do enter the horses in the sale, but then something happens and the owners decide to change their mind. I think that could happen with uh, Monomoy Crow because... I'm thinking kind of the horse of the year favorites are not going to fare well in the club, are not going to win the classic, and that might create an opportunity for her. Oh, we'll get there in a little bit. I like what you're saying about Valiance, Rachel, because for some reason, she beat Ollie's Candy in the spinster, yet Valiance is 10 to 1 on the morning line. Ollie's Candy is only 6 to 1 on the morning line. I don't really understand that. Honestly, the morning line is pr- pretty much a big talking point this year, I, on, especially on social media, because he made the morning line before the draw. So that doesn't, you know, the draw doesn't have anything to your point there, but I'm kind of taking that into consideration with the with the morning line. But that's exactly what I thought. And that's why I put, you know, the eight in over Ollie's candy and even over uh, the four at eight to one. I've got the four to run on my super. I've got the eight hidden in the you know top three. So I completely am 100 percent agree with your point there. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's not 12 to one that we get closer to post time. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but don't go anywhere. The three most star-studded and richest events of the Breeders' Cup are still to come. The Mile, the Turf, and the Breeders' Cup Classic, so don't go away. Welcome back to In the Gate. We move to the Mile 
And here's where we start to, with all due respect to all the other horses we've mentioned, we start to see some serious star power here. We have a classic winner in the field from Europe in Cameco, the winner of the 2000 Guineas, coming over here because he prefers firmer turf. And this is a really tough race to pick. There are at least six horses here who I think have a real shot to win, almost all of them from Europe. I know where Bob's going. You've got to be going with the defending champion, Uni. But I don't know about it, Bob. What do you think? No, I'm going to surprise you. I'm, I'm going I'm to take a page from uh, Rachel's uh, playbook. I'm going with Brad Cox's horse, Factor This. I'm going to go with Factor This. I, I don't see a heck of a lot of speed in this race, and when I see a lot of speed in back through this, I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be very tough to beat in this field. Uh, I picking second, I'm you know I'm gonna then go Chad Brown, but with Digital Age, I, I think this is gonna turn out to be a pretty uh, good replay of that uh, Churchill Downs Turf Classic. Uni is kind of in that category with me with uh, Sister Charlie. She's not as fast as she was last year, uh, so. She's going to probably be overbet. I'm going to I'm going to stay away. I, I do I do like those two horses. Uh, I do think uh, Kamiko is a very good possibility. Uh, I also like uh, I also like uh, the mayor and another mayor of the race, one master. I think that's a veteran mayor who's usually close in these races and you know should be a pretty big price and uh, might sneak in. But I, I get a feeling it's going to be. Uh, uh, fact of this, uh, going, you know, gate to wire from Brad Cox. I cannot see any of the American horses staying with these Europeans at all. I mean, one master, six-year-old mare, third straight pre de foray on the ARC undercard. She's the only horse of either sex to ever do it in the 162-year history of that race. Now, she does prefer wet ground, and she won't get wet ground at Keeneland. It's drying out. But I think at 15 to 1, that is a that is a Philly, a mare that you have got to consider. I also like Safe Voyage at 10 to 1, who got the bob in a race in Ireland in September. I mean, hammer and tongue all the way down the stretch and was third by a neck to one master last out. I definitely would include safe voyage siskin maybe a half a step slow didn't have it in the pre de moulin couldn't keep up but he's got a kick to him and i've seen him race he runs from mid-pack and you know only the only two american horses here i'd worry about are digital agent uni and i don't think they're as good as any of these including cameco because cameco the the connections had to take a chance on running him in the derby which is a mile and a half after winning the Guineas. They thought all along that they that this horse was a mile and a quarter horse. I looked at him number of times, and I to me, his breeding, build, running style looked like a miler. And finally they've gotten him back to that, and this is his this is his happy place, is running a mile. And I think all these Europeans, Cameco, Siskin, uh, safe voyage, one master are going to blow these American horses away. I, I th- these horses are just not as good as the Europeans. That's just one person's opinion because I've seen these horses run numerous times. Keep in mind one thing: this is a two-turn mile with pretty tight turns. I'm not sure if that really suits Europeans. Uh, so, because I mean, last the last time they had it here at Keeneland, it was Tepin who won the race. 
that might be what, as I say, that's kind of why I think a horse like Factor this using the speed and the tight turns on that track will be benefit. But certainly you're right, there's a lot of classy Europeans. We'll continue the European feel here as we go to the turf. No Zulu Alpha, but there are a lot of closers and there's a lot of pace in this race, including an absolute superstar in Magical, maybe the next Goldakova. How do you see the turf shaping up, Rachel? Um, you know, I went in this race to Tarnawa. This is the race that I gave me uh, the most headache. I am not the best at the European handicapping. I'll be the first to admit it. But I've been trying to listen to what, you know, everyone's been talking about. Nick Luck, I've been I've been listening to his. This one, Tarnawa, I just think um, off of those three wins, amazing races, all grade ones, uh, you know, this is one that I think is going to be the Euro that's going to uh, take it. And then that, and Bob's point was what I was going to say. And we'll add here. Um, it's been mentioned time and time again. And it's fact that the tight turns, you know, on these long distances are not really their favorite. They're used to going straight, you know, I was just listening to an exercise rider this morning. I think talked to, or yesterday talked to Gabby Gaudet about how when horses and their training come running up beside them, they kind of um, get a little nervous or, you know, amped up or whatever. So the, obviously that's something that happens every year that you have to take in consideration with the euros, but you know, they're adding Lasix too. So that's also fun, uh, you know, something to look forward to, to see how, how, if they improve or, or how they take that. But I have three, one, nine, two in here. I actually didn't put magical on top. I put Tarnawa, I just think off recent form and given the distance is with two wins is going to be the one for me in this race. But as I said, this one gave me a headache. There could be a big long shot in here from, you know, Danya as well. Looks interesting. Channel maker. You can't leave out, you know, some of those. So arc low as well. I put in for second, you know, he's a winner last time out in the Kentucky turf. It was a grade three, obviously, but I have three, one, nine, two in this race. Wow. I understand. Tarnawa is a great horse, but you're betting against Magical, a horse who's beaten males seven times, including twice this year. That is tough. How do you see it, Bob? Yeah, I would agree with you. I, 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 I think of what Rachel saying is correct. This is a very tough race to handicap, Parted partially because we know these American horses and they kind of, you know, like horses like Channel Maker, he's really gotten good lately, but we also know Channel Maker and Arklow, they kind of all take turns beating each other. I'm not sure if United is going to like the turf course here at Keeneland. Even if it's not listed as soft or good, it's it's going to be have a lot more give into it than I think what he's used to out in California. So I'm not sure what to make of the Americans. Magical certainly, I think, looks, you know, she she's going to be right there. I mean, she ran... Uh, a heck of a good race. Uh, I think ran really well when she was in the Breeders' Cup with Enable, and I do think I think she's going to be a big factor. Probably the European intrigues me the most is Mogul. I, I really think that was a heck of a nice race that he ran last time at uh, Longchamp. And Medea, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but at 30 to one, that horse seems to have been close enough where where she is worthy of some consideration. Yeah, and she might improve on firm ground. The thing with you know, magical is she beat two of the best this year, Gayath and the eventual Arc de Triomphe winner Satsas in the Irish champion stakes. And she had won that race against males last year as well. But she had a tough trip on rough ground on uh, Champions Day in England uh, two weeks ago. So that's why 
people are starting to go away from her, but I wouldn't. She is tremendous. As is Lord North for John Gosden and Frankie Dettori. I mean, he's going to be a closer. He won the Prince of Wales. He had nowhere to go when they turned for home. Move left sharply, found room, closed huge. I mean, this is going to be a great race. The one American that interests me here is not one that either one of you mentioned, and that's Red King coming from California, because when he won the Del Mar Handicap in the summer, that to me is one of the best rides I have ever seen. Red King's moving now. Red King with an early blitz. As they race for the far turn, he's moving for the front, and he's moving for the front right now on the far turn. Now, Flavian Pratt brings United to the outside. He's just a length and a half behind as they come to the top of the stretch. Red King on the outside is the leader. United is third on the outside, but he still has to get to Red King with one furlong to run. Red King in front. United on the outside still has not gotten to him. Red King United, Red King to the Breeders' Cup. Umberto Rispoli made a tremendous move midway down the backstretch, which felt early when you were watching the race, but the pace was slow, and Rispoli judged it perfectly. And I don't know that he's the best on talent, but do not underestimate that rider. He is tremendous. And at 20 to 1, I take a look at Red King, just because Rispoli's riding him. You guys realize that we just mentioned almost every horse in the entire field, and that is why my head hurts. This is a great race. It is. It's an amazing race. You you could honestly hit the all button in this one. But it's not the main event. The main event comes after that, the richest race in North America, the Breeders' Cup Classic, $6 million. And I thought I heard you say, Bob, you were not all that high on Tis the Law. Let me qualify that. Not that I'm not high, but that's not the one I'm going to go with to win the race. My um, pick to win the race is going to be Tom's Day Todd. Really? Yes. I think this is setting up nicely for him. Um, I was there in Saratoga at the rail for the Whitney. And when the right before the gates open up, improbable rears up. And I go, here we go again. And it looked like, you know, another improbable uh, zaniness. Well, what happens when the gate opens? Improbable breaks like a shot. Tom's the top just stumbled coming out of the gate. Never got back into the race. It wasn't all that badly beaten given what, how far, you know, how far out of it he was. I think if you go back to his other races, there was a reason why he was the favorite in the Whitney. I think uh, Al Stahl's done a good job of keeping him sharp, training him. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the fresh horse who's going to run a real big race. I, I think after him, a little going back and forth, I'm probably going to lean toward maximum security to get second. I think he's a heck of a horse. I know there's so many issues behind him. There's a lot of, love, there's a lot of baggage there. But I still think, he, even though he got beat last time, I think he's a real good horse. I just think there's going to be a lot of pressure up front. But I think maximum security probably will edge out Tis the Law for third. I think Tis the Law is going to beat Authentic in this race. I think he's a three-year-old who's going to be maturing in the fall. Maybe not to the degree American Pharaoh did, but he's going to give a better effort than he did at the Derby and move forward. To me, those are the top three horses. I'm going to think Improbable is going to become the old Improbable. I might get burned again. Maybe he's the new and improved and unbeatable Improbable, but I'll go against that. And I'll throw you a long shot in the race. I don't think he's going to win, but again, put him in your super factors, Tacitus. I think a lot of people give up on Tacitus, but and that's the reason why you put him in the super factor. He's going to be, you're finally going to get a price of 
15, 20 to one on Tassinus, and on his best day, he's good enough to finish second or third or fourth against these horses. So. Does the pace potential here help Tacitus, Rachel? There seems to be a lot of pace signed on here. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I honestly, Tacitus is the one that everyone has had the big bandwagon for, and he just has never been able to put it together. He might get set up for this, but there is, there's a lot of early speed. And I'm literally, to just to speak to how deep this race is, how many different ways, I'm literally going to go against everything Bob just said. I don't have Tom's on top. I went ahead and went and put him third. I'm going to go with authentic. I think that you know, authentic. I was leaning towards his the loss. So that is one thing. But with his inside draw, it's been a lot of talk right now. He's going to get covered up. It's been said before he doesn't like to be covered up. I think that that's going to happen. And when he doesn't get the race his way, he's not going to have the best day. So with that being said, I went with authentic. I think he's going to be fine from the outside. He's got enough speed to get out there. Um, and then I went with the two tis the law next because I think maybe he'll still he's still so impressive. I couldn't leave him out of my exacta. And then Tom Zatat, I he likes the mile and an eighth. He looks so good in the morning. And I want to be a Tom Zatat on top girl. Like that's what I want to be. But uh, you know, he's seven years old. He hasn't raced in a long time and it might work to his benefit. You know, he might come back and, and be fresh and be ready to go. But I just don't think that's going to be the case today. They start tailing off, you know, when they get older, even as impressive as he is. Um, not to say that he hasn't kept this horse in great form. I mean, he looks like a four-year-old on the track in the mornings. But then I'm going to round it out with maximum security. I really went with authentic after Law drew the inside on top of the fact that Bob Baffert said that authentic is looking the best right now and in the best form right now. You know, when he's been interviewed, he, the first of the three he mentions in the classic is authentic. And as uh, you know, Bob said earlier, when we first started, you know, when Bob says something, you listen, and I am not going to be the girl that doesn't listen to Mr. Bob Baffert. So I'm going to go nine to four ten in this extremely wide open race. I think that this is just, it's so tough. We didn't even talk about by my standards who has an amazing shot. I totally agree with Bob. The whole reason why you should include Tacitus on your ticket is because everyone's forgot about Tacitus. So he'll come back and show us all like, haha, I was just waiting until the biggest race jokes on you guys. So uh, those are my picks and my thoughts on the classic, such a competitive field this year, gentlemen. It would be incredible if this becomes the day that Maximum Security finally crosses the wire first with no interference, no disqualifications or anything else. He is as star-crossed as any horse has been in the last 50 years. Well, I could do this all day long, but thank you, Rachel McLaughlin, Bobby Hall. Thank you both so much. I hope you make a lot of money this weekend. Thanks, Mary. Always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I had a blast, guys. Remember, you can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course, in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us. 
Maybe the folks at America's Best Racing will find us and include us in their nominees for Best Podcast in this year's Fan Choice Awards. Try the Twitter handle at ABR Live or the America's Best Racing Facebook page. Let them know that In the Gate belongs. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In the Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We hope you're safe and healthy as you listen to this, and we'll see you next time. 